Well, good morning. Everybody showed up. <laughs> so welcome, welcome, welcome uh, to the OSBA Mental Health and Social Emotional Learning Summit. Uh, my name is Mark Bobo, and I'm pleased to welcome each of you uh, to this summit today. Uh, we're very excited that each of you are here. And uh, I will tell you, I'm a man that believes in the power of affirmation. Uh, we've gathered here today because we believe in the potential of Ohio's children. Uh, in whatever role that you serve, today we are here because we want to make a difference. Your presence here today is a testament to the dedication that you have to Ohio's children. This will be a powerful day. This will be an impactful day. And this is a day that we will leave empowered to make a difference in the lives of Ohio's children. So at this time, I want you to give yourselves a round of applause for being here today at this summit. I have a lot of information uh, for you here today, but we want to move along with our program. Uh, I'm welcoming to the stage at this time uh, the exemplary leader of the Ohio School Boards Association who has given unconditional support uh, to today's event. I welcome to the stage at this time our Chief Executive Officer, Mr. Richard C. Lewis. Good morning, everybody. Oh, outstanding, outstanding. Well, on behalf of OSBA's Board of Trustees, I'd like to welcome everybody here today. And more importantly, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. We understand that this is an incredibly busy time of the year, and there are many, many demands upon your time. So we don't take your participation lightly. Uh, but we have gathered, indeed, for a very, very critical conversation today. Mental health and social-emotional learning have emerged uh, in Ohio as both uh, an opportunity and a barrier to education. It's going to be a springboard, however, that can lead us, that can lead us to more productive, successful, and fulfilled students. And while we're making great strides, the challenges of this issue cannot be solved alone. That's become very, very clear. So that's why OSBA convened a coalition of important organizations, those organizations that have experience, that have influence, that have a passion for tackling this challenge. Even greater than the School Safety and Security Summit that we held a year ago, the groups that assembled to put this program together uh, are, is, are the, largest, uh, is the largest group that we have ever assembled on behalf of Ohio's children. They include the Buckeye Association of School Administrators, the National Alliance on Mental Illness of Ohio, the Ohio Association of Elementary School Administrators, the Ohio Association of Secondary School Administrators, the Ohio, Ohio County Commissioners Association, the Ohio Department of Education, the Ohio Education Association, the Ohio Education Service Center Association, the Ohio Federation of Teachers, the Ohio High School Athletic Association, the Ohio Mental Health and Addiction Services, the Ohio School Psychologists Association, the School Counselors Association, Ohio State University, the National School Boards Association, and the state of Ohio. It's an amazing, amazing group of talent and passion. Representing the state of Ohio, I would be remiss if I didn't pause at this point to, to recognize, introduce, and thank the Honorable Mike DeWine, Governor of the state of Ohio. Thank you for being with us today, sir. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, each of these organizations are different. Each has its own mission. Each has its own vision. Each organization has different legislative priorities. Each organization has its own strengths and weaknesses. But when we get together, our collaboration makes us so much stronger than any one of those 17 organizations could ever have been on its own. As Ohioans, we have even more in common. We want the best for our children. 
There's no doubt about that. We want to empower the adults in this room that make a difference, that have a, a passion for the welfare of our, our students and a hope for their future. We want to get help to the children who need it. We want to promote higher, higher levels of student success and health. And we want to keep Ohio schools as the best place to learn in our nation. Today's event is multidimensional. It was designed for teams. You're going to see so much today. You're going to have thought-provoking keynotes by Dr. Kathy McFarland and Dr. Thomas Meredata II. There are myriad learning opportunities today. It'll be covered in 24 breakout sessions that you can choose from. There are 40 organizations participating downstairs in our resource fair. You'll have handouts online for every session, whether you had the opportunity to attend or not. After the program is completed, there'll be recordings of each of the sessions, so you can listen to podcasts of the sessions you weren't able to participate in. And in the end, Dr. McFarland will be talking to you about some future deliverables so that today's work is not just a single event, but it becomes ingrained in the work that we do each and every day. Learn as much as you can today. I encourage you to learn from the keynotes, learn from the breakouts, learn from those in the resource fair, learn from each other. Exchange phone numbers and business cards with other people you haven't met before. Go to lunch with individuals from other school districts or other organizations. Start the conversations here, continue them on the drive home, and never stop talking. Never, ever stop talking. Just like in the delivery of, of education, this is not a one-size-fits-all solution. What will work in one part of the state may not work in another part of the state, and what will work in one district may not work in another district. You won't necessarily leave today with a full new mental health and a social emotional learning plan, but you will leave knowing that there are solutions out there that may work in your district, and it, it's a great, great beginning for your community. So let today not, again, be just simply an event, but let it be the spark that ignites a conversation about better serving our most precious resources, the young men and women who attend Ohio's public schools. So thank you. It is now my pleasure to introduce the president of the Ohio School Boards Association for 2020, a school board member from Southwestern City, Mr. Lee Schreiner. Thank you, Rick. Good morning, everyone. As the 2020 president of the Ohio School Boards Association, I am honored to welcome you here today on behalf of the OSBA to this first-of-a-kind mental health and social-emotional learning summit. As a retired elementary teacher of 37 years and high school coach in the Southwestern City School District and currently a school board member, I have had the pleasure and the disappointment of seeing many wonderful and disturbing things in my teaching career. For the last 27 of those teaching years, I had the honor and challenge of teaching gifted and talented elementary students from kindergarten through the grades uh, for, through fifth grade, with IQs, no doubt, much higher than my own. And many times on this gifted spectrum, many students with problems far worse than academic drawbacks. I had one third grader, for example, doing college math. Uh, teacher of the gifted, not necessarily a gifted teacher when you study two hours to prepare for a child the next day. Many dealt with depression, stress, perfectionism, suicidal thoughts, backed up 
with the research skills and intelligence to turn knowledge into action. Many were quiet and introverted, but many were outgoing and very extroverted as well. They came from 17 elementary schools across our very large and diverse district, from all walks of life, but many times with gifts come struggles, many hidden from sight until they reared their ugly heads in frustration and difficulties, and many times internally, invisible pain. Identifying a child with dyslexia comes with the same challenges as pinning down Asperger's syndrome on a gifted spectrum, or identifying a student who is being bullied. But in many school districts throughout Ohio, we have had to cut guidance counselors, intervention specialists, psychologists, resources in general. With the behavioral and socioeconomic struggles of these students eclipsing our available services and continuing to grow dramatically, parents and educators continued to search for solutions. And we are all so thankful and appreciative that we have a governor who has the vision to place a priority on this issue, knowing that sooner is better than later, and the understanding that we can make a difference in the mental health and social emotional lives of all Ohioans, starting at a time in their lives that may matter most for this generation and generations to come. A few quotes out of the mouths of students and those who care. What mental health needs is more sunlight, more candor, and more unashamed conversation about illnesses that affect not only individuals, but their families as well. Glenn Close, actor. From the mouths of children, Mr. Schreiner, strong people don't put others down, they lift them up. Sometimes the worst place you can be at is in your own head. That's my wife who currently has Alzheimer's. People who die by suicide don't want to end their lives. They want to end their pain. My wife's brother committed suicide at an early age, and most recently, a successful and talented high school student in our district took their life. It seems that everyone knows someone be the someone that they can turn out for direction and guidance to those resources. My grandmother used to say, two ears, one mouth. Listen twice as much as you talk. I've tried to take that advice. Be the lifesaver in someone's life. We must all know that early intervention and early identification and the difference it can make as we do with literacy. A special thank you today to today's speakers, presenters, resource fair participants, and all the organizations represented here collectively and separately, and especially to you in attendance here today for taking time out of your busy schedules to plan and care for all of our students, educating the whole child together. Thank you.
Thank you, Rick and Lee, for those wonderful remarks this morning. Uh, as it has been mentioned, we are very honored today to have our governor, Governor Mike DeWine, with us. Mike DeWine, Ohio's 70th governor, has had a distinguished career in public service. He served as the Greene County prosecuting attorney, a state senator, U.S. congressman, lieutenant governor, U.S. senator, and state attorney general before being elected as Ohio's governor in 2018. Governor DeWine believes in helping all children reach their potential. In 2019, DeWine appointed a director of children's initiatives and secured $675 million to provide significant resources to assist in student wellness and success in schools through services such as mental health counseling, mentoring, and after-school programs. I think we're all excited about that, is that right? So this morning, I'm, I'm honored and feel privileged to welcome to the Scaves our governor, Governor Mike DeWine. Thank you very much. Mark, thank you very much. Let me, uh, th first of all, thank all of you for what you do uh, for children every single day. Uh, thank you for coming to this conference. I cannot think of a more appropriate topic, um, anything that is, that is more, more timely. Uh, you know, I'm optimistic uh, as the governor of Ohio. Um, I'm optimistic about Ohio's future. Uh, my wife, Fran, Fran, I've been married 52 years, and Fran says that uh, anyone with eight kids, by definition, is an optimist. So I guess I'm an optimist. She and I are both optimists. Um, but I'm optimistic about the future of this state. I cannot think of a better state uh, to grow up in, to raise a family in, to start a business in, just to live in. Uh, I think we have so many great things going for us. But we also know that the state that your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren uh, are going to live in, and the quality of life in Ohio is going to depend primarily on how well we do, all of us, uh, our main job. And that is to work every single day so that every child in the state has the opportunity to live up to their God-given potential. Um, that's what you do every day, um, and that's what I think all of us have to focus on every, every single day. Uh, in my inaugural speech a year ago, I talked about a little bit about my grandfather uh, and how that he would continue to plant trees, something he'd done throughout his life, but he would do that, did that into his 80s. And I, as a young person, I looked at my grandfather and thought, well, you know, he's never going to see those trees grow. Uh, you're not, not going to get too big. But he continued to do that. And I think that's what you do, uh, and that's what all of us do as we plant the seeds uh, with our children. Uh, what we do today uh, with a young person, what you do today is going to impact the next 50, 60, 70, 100, maybe 100 years. Uh, and that child will do, we hope, some amazing things because of what you have done. We have put a real focus in our administration on early childhood education, early childhood development. That's not our topic today, but it's something that we think is, is, is very, very important. Uh, focusing on kids particularly who are at risk, uh, we've tripled the size of the program, for example, the home visiting program that reaches out, starting to a, a pregnant mother who's in a, in a difficult economic situation or for other reasons, uh, reaching out to her uh, before that child is born, trying to get the help, and then all the way through until that child enters kindergarten. 
and getting that child ready, ready for kindergarten. Uh, my bride, Fran, uh, is focused on the Imagination Library, and I know many of you are familiar with that. Um, our goal and the next, her goal in the next few months is to make it so that every single child in the state of Ohio, zero to five, has the opportunity, their parents or grandparents or someone to sign up for them so they'll get a free book every single month in the mail addressed to that child. Uh, it's a program that uh, was started in Tennessee a number of years ago. We brought it to Ohio uh, when I became governor and Fran became first lady. It was in some of the counties. Uh, but many counties did not have it at all. And our goal is to reach out and make sure that every single county has that and every single child has that uh, available. Uh, we're also doing things, uh, obviously, later on, uh, after kids get out of school and, and in, the, in the workplace, and trying to focus on upscaling uh, people's skills, uh, because making sure everyone lives up to their full potential is not just something you focus on in, in children. Uh, life, lifelong learning. Uh, is what we need to be about in Ohio, and it's so very, very important. Let me talk for a moment um, about our subject at hand. Fran and I have, uh, as I said, eight children. We have kids doing all kinds of things, and we're blessed to have one son, our son Mark, uh, who's been an inner city school teacher in, in Cleveland. Uh, he's now an assistant, assistant principal. His wife is also an educator. And one of the things that we have heard from them, but frankly, I've also heard no matter where I go in Ohio, whether it's in a suburb, whether it's in Appalachia, whether it's in the city, uh, and that is teachers who tell me, Mike, I could teach, I know what I'm doing, kids can learn, but the problem really is what happens outside the classroom before the child comes to school, or what does not happen uh, in that child's life. And I think we have to really focus on this. Because if you're going to be able, teachers are going to be able to teach, educators be educators, we have to do what we can to deal with the cha those challenges. Um, I don't have to tell this audience that so many of our children today, no matter where they live in Ohio, um, are traumatized. Um, the experts call this adverse childhood experiences, ACEs, and we know that Ohio is fifth in the leads, not in the area that we want to lead, but we're fifth in the nation uh, as far as number of children with high numbers of adverse childhood experiences. Again, I don't have to tell any of you that. Probably the most stunning statistic uh, that I've seen and many statistics I've seen about young people is the fact that between the age of 10 and 14, that age group, that the leading cause of death in Ohio today is suicide. As a parent, now a grandparent, I cannot think of anything worse. Um, and anything that more is just makes you absolutely sick. I want to thank uh, the General Assembly. We presented a budget last year, and what I said when we presented it is I'm going to be asking members of the General Assembly in my State of the State speech, I said, I'm going to be asking you all to do things where you're not going to see the immediate results. And candidly, as politicians, that's tough to do. We all want instant gratification. We all want things immediate. But when we invest in our children, 
that's a long-term long commitment. And I want to talk today uh, briefly about two of the things that, that we have done. Uh, I started seeing after I, nine years ago, after I became the Attorney General, this horrible drug epidemic that we're still in. Um, and we've done a number of things, and we're going to do more in regard to the law enforcement side. We've done a number of things. We're going to do more in regard to the treatment side. But the most important thing that we can do, and we'll t we can talk about those another day, but the most important thing we can do is prevention, education. We know how difficult it is that once a person is addicted to an opioid, for example, how difficult it is for them to make it and get off. Some do. God bless them. We want to help them do that. But the best thing that we can do, the most important thing we can do, is to keep more kids from, from going down that pathway. And so we put specific money uh, in this last year's budget for schools, and our ultimate goal is to have something in every grade, K through 12, every year, every child, that does in fact focus on the topic at hand today, and that is social-emotional learning. And with a focus on preparing these kids so that when they get to the point where they're tempted to go down a pathway with drugs, that they have what they need inside of themselves, that they can, they can resist that. Um, we know programs that work. We have scientific data that shows certain programs work. And I know a number of the schools in the state are moving forward very quickly to try to do something every single grade. And I applaud you all for, for doing that. We did a second thing in the budget that has not been done before, and it's an indirect answer to what I talked about a moment ago, and that is what I hear from teachers. And that is, how do you compensate for what is going on in that child's life outside school, and how do you co compensate for what is not going on in that child's life outside of school? Now, I'm a realist. I understand that if something's going on in that household, you know, if that child is living with a parent who's having some problems, maybe living with a parent who's an addict, I mean, we can go on and on, and each, each of you can come up with different examples. We can't compensate for that totally, but we have to try. We have to do everything that we can so that the teachers can teach and the kids can learn in the, inside that classroom. And so I asked the General Assembly to set aside money and send it to every school district in the state and give a lot of flexibility to what the schools can do with this money, but to designate this money for wellness, to designate this money for wraparound services. Again, this is something that we believe is going to make a huge difference. And I just talked to several of you out in the hallway, and I know some of you are already starting to, to use that and to implement that. Uh, we won't get really reports back, uh, final reports back until July in regard to that. But again, it is something that we think will make a huge difference. I know that some superintendents, some principals, teachers have said, well, that's good for this year and next year, but what about beyond that? Uh, my commitment to you uh, is that in next year's budget, that the budget we present to the General Assembly will have just as much, if not more, money for this cause than we had this year.
<clears throat> and I can tell you that I will not sign a budget that does not have that money in it. But the good news is, as I talk to the leadership of the Senate and the House and the other members, everybody understands the importance of this money. It's not a Republican, not a Democrat issue, it's not a conservative, it's not a liberal issue. It's something where the General Assembly has been listening to you and understands that this money is very, very important. So my message is um, have faith, uh, plan ahead, hire that person you need to hire. Uh, my personal commitment to you and the commitment from the leadership of, of the legislature and from every member I talk to is that that money is going to stay in next budget and the next budget and the next budget. Uh, we believe it is, it is that important. These funds are flexible. We do not intend to tell you how to spend it other than the broad area. And so I'm going to describe now what a few schools are doing. But please understand that it doesn't mean you have to follow any of these paths. You may have something that's very different, and you may have a specific need in your school that you want to fill that gap. And so we encourage you uh, to do it. These funds are flexible, allowing schools and communities to tailor services to suit their particular community, their culture, their children. Uh, schools can use their student wellness and success funds to provide access to mental health services, mentorships, or other programs that build resilience. And let me just say, again, something you all know, but in my talking with, with young people, Fran and I do some scholarships for kids. Um, one of the big challenges is we just have too many kids who do not have mentors today. Uh, that is just a huge, huge problem. Uh, schools and districts across Ohio, uh, I believe, have a history of working with community partners to meet the needs of children. We encourage you to do that. Our student wellness and success funds will be helping them expand existing partnerships and help you begin new initiatives. Districts are already laying the groundwork for their funds. A couple of examples. In Washington County, the Fort Fry local school schools plan to use the funds to support their, quote, signs of suicide program, which this program screens students from mental health risk and provides counseling from the Life and Purpose Behavioral Health Agency, Hopewell Social Services, and the Washington County Mental Health Board. They're reaching out to the community. In Brown County, Ripley Union Lewis Huntington Local Schools plan to use the funds to establish a school-based health center and to provide telehealth options through the primary grades plus medical practice group and the nonprofit organization Interact for Health. In Lawrence County, the Rock Hill local schools are planning to use their funds to renovate part of a school board office to serve as a health center. That health center will provide primary mental health and dental care to students and also to the Ironton community. The Rock Hill District uh, is working with the Ironton Lawrence County Community Action Organization to create the center which will be open to students and the public during the school day and after hours. Let me also uh, briefly talk about for student safety. Oh, let me also add about this. For student safety, the clinic will use separate entrances and waiting rooms for students and the public. It will provide much needed access to care for the district's nearly 1,500 students, over half of whom are enrolled in Medicaid. 
Now, of course, even with all of these efforts, sometimes students in crisis can pose a danger to themselves or to others. You know, when I was growing up and when our younger, older kids were growing up, we all, we knew that the safest place, statistically, the safest place for children was the hours that they were in school. Uh, statistically, that's probably still true. But we also know and have seen the, the school shootings and the great tragedies, and there's no parent, no grandparent that doesn't think about that. Every morning when Fran and I are back in Cedarville, every school day at 7.02, the bus goes by our house to pick up our four of our grandchildren, three of our grandchildren, um, who live right down the road from us. Uh, and so there isn't a parent in this state or grandparent or teacher who doesn't think about the issue of school safety. Um, I know that many of your districts are using the services of the Ohio School Safety Center uh, that we established at the Department of Public Safety. And I would just ask you to explore that, uh, look online, uh, and get more information about it. Uh, briefly, uh, the center staff reviews, of course, your emergency management plans, and upon request will provide technical support to schools in regard to safety projects. And so we would encourage you to utilize them. Uh, if you have questions, give them a call. Schools often, we find, ask for assistance in developing safety drills and exercises, identifying grant opportunities for physical security improvements, and training for threat assessment. This team is ready to do that. Now, in 2019, last year, the center's team reviewed more than 3,000 school safety plans. Also at the center, and this is new, and you may not be aware of it, but intelligence analysts, experienced intelligence analysts use enhanced technology to scan social media and websites looking for threats made towards students or towards schools. If they detect anything, the information is shared with your school officials and local law enforcement who decide what action needs to be taken to keep students safe. I know many schools are doing this themselves. We encourage you to continue to do that. But we also have people who are on the web and are looking for that uh, as, as well. Let me again just thank you. Uh, thank you all for planting the seeds, for watering those seeds, for nurturing these kids. Um, they're all about our future. Uh, as I said, Fran and I are focused on our children. Uh, we have eight children. We have now 24 grandchildren. Our youngest grandchild is one, Tad, and our, our oldest grandson, Albert, uh, is, is 26, and all the rest in between. Uh, so we, we focus a lot on kids. But thank you for what you do. I, I want to give you two names uh, on my team, because frankly, um, we don't pretend to know everything about education. Um, you all are the experts, and we encourage you to get in touch with us with ideas or thoughts. What we've been able to do through this budget was based on that information that we've been gathering over the years and from people like you all over the state of Ohio. Uh, I want to introduce uh, Ann O'Donnell, uh, who heads up our, our policy team. Ann O'Donnell has been with me for over 20 years. So Ann O'Donnell, someone you can contact. Uh, you also heard the name Leanne Cornyn. Leanne, Leanne has been with me since I was uh, in, in the Attorney General's office, since I was Attorney General, Leanne Cornyn. She heads up our children's initiatives. And, and so those are two key people, Leanne Cornyn and Ann O'Donnell. We really 
would love your input, your thoughts, your criticisms, anything that you want to get to us or, 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 or send to me. So again, I've looked through the agenda. Uh, it looks like you've got a great day ahead of you. Uh, thank you all for taking the day out of your schedule. Thanks for everybody, the School Board Association, everyone else who put this together. Um, I can't think of a more important topic, and I hope you all leave here with some more ideas uh, and things that you can take back to your local school. Thank you very much. Thank you, Governor DeWine, for those remarks this morning. Uh, very quickly, we just want to go through a few logistical things, uh, then we'll get over to our keynote speaker. Uh, please, in the concourse area, there is a program that is available to each of us. Uh, this is going to be critical in guiding your day today. Uh, as you know, we have 24 breakout sessions. Uh, our first breakout start at 1045. Our secondary breakouts are at 130. But this will guide you in how to get to the appropriate room and the appropriate uh, subject area. I welcome you to go to page three of the program. On the bottom, you'll find a, our website that houses all of the handouts that are available for today's breakout sessions. Uh, but this program guide is available to you to guide your day. Um, as well, I wanted to remind each of us that you, if you have pre-registered for the conference, please go to the table and get your name tag. That is the way we know that you are here. Please go to the, uh, in the concourse area and get your name tag. If you do not see your name tag there, it means that you have not registered for the conference. We're still glad to have you, but we want you to go to the registration table and actually officially register there uh, so to get um, you registered for the conference so that we know that you have been here. Also, keep in mind, uh, every session that is being provided today is beneficial. It's going to be helpful to you. But unfortunately, we have over 1,200 people here today, and everybody can't be in every session. So as uh, our CEO did commit, we will have every session recorded for you, and it will be posted to the OSBA website by the end of March. So do not feel like you have to press your way into a classroom. If it's full, I just welcome you to go to another breakout session, but we are committed to making sure that every session that is provided today will be on our website. Thirdly, uh, we have our lunchtime at between 12 and 1.30. We're asking you to take that time as well to visit our resource fair. We have over 40 agencies and organizations that have come to provide tangible resources to you that you can take back into your communities that will help in the mental health and social emotional learning spaces. Those uh, agencies and organizations are highlighted on page four and five of your program, and we welcome you to visit each of those stations. Also during our lunchtime, there are a few uh, food kiosks that will be available uh, in the concourse area. So they will be there so you can stay inside the convention center and as well as visit our resource fairs. But you have an hour and a half. Uh, take advantage of that time to get something to eat and also visit our resource fair. All right. Now to our keynote speaker, Dr. Kathy McFarland. I asked Kathy for her bio, and there's a lot of stuff on here that's pretty impressive. Uh, she's a graduate of Worthington High School, undergrad of North Carolina State University, a four-year Division I swimmer. Uh, she has her doctorate from the Ohio University. She has over 20 years of education as a high school teacher, a high school swimming coach, middle school principal, and a high school principal. But I'll be very transparent and honest with you. That speaks nothing to who she is and who her passion is, what her passion is. Kathy is what it, it's about what is doing best for kids, period. She is all about the students, and she's one of the most passionate advocates on behalf of Ohio's children that I've ever met. So I am honored to present unto you the illustrious 
Dr. Kathy McFarland. That was very nice. Thank you. I used to watch them, not because I was responsible for their social, emotional, mental health, academic, extracurricular, and overall safety. No, I used to watch them because they fascinated me. They fascinated me in their journey to be successful, to be heard, and to be seen. I wanted to be a part of their journey. I wanted to help them be successful. At one point in my career, there were 2,100 of them. They would come and they would go. They would sit in the classrooms. They would perform on the stage and run up and down the courts and the fields. And as their building principal, I failed them every day. No, I didn't fail on the state report card. I didn't fail on my professional evaluation or my staff's 360 of me. No, I actually did pretty well in those areas. I failed because I did not meet the needs of every child in my building. Why? Maybe it was my leadership style. You want something? Go get it. You fail? Try harder. Grit? I lived it, loved it, and instilled it. And it worked for some of my students. Some of my students responded to my leadership style. But like many of you, I asked myself, how can I reach more students? So I read articles and books. I went to school. I became a doctor. I talked to colleagues. And I learned that you had to flex your style. So literally, this is what my day would look like. I'd stand outside of a classroom. Kids were getting ready to go in. I knew they were going to take an assessment. Some kids, I was like, you got this. Let's go. Go get them. Hey, how are you today? How's your mom? How's your sister? You are going to do great today. And it worked for about a quarter of them. Let me make this a little bit easier. Let's say I didn't have 2,100 of them. Let's say I had a building of 100. So far, about half of my students are responding to my ability to flex my leadership style. But as many leaders do, we realize very early on in our careers, we cannot do it all on our own. So we created teams, teams of teachers and counselors and advisors and, and coaches and staff. And if you had a heartbeat, you may be on a team. And we connected you with kids. And it worked for about a quarter of them. That still leaves 25 students in my building of 100 whose needs are not being met. Those 25 are the ones that keep you up at night. They're the ones that you see it in their eyes that says, you don't see me, you don't hear me, I'm alone. I used to see them when I would come in in the morning in the cafeteria, they would be seated up against the wall with their hoodies up and their earbuds in and I would see that look. But you know where else I saw it? With a popular student who was standing among his friends with his varsity jersey on and I would see that glimpse that said, you don't hear me and you don't see me. So we worked really hard to make sure that we did hear them and we did see them. 
I had a very profound experience. I used to do cafeteria duty. And I would oversee about 400 students having lunch. And I would be in my principal stance. It's just like this, shoulder back, spanks up, arms across your chest. (laughs) They teach you this in the first semester of getting your license. And you learn to survey. And for whatever reason, that day, there was a table about 20 to 30 yards from me. And I, I don't know what those young girls were actually talking about, but I captured something one of them said. One of them said, why don't adults just ask us what we need? Wow. So we did. We started asking our students. We started identifying students, students who weren't performing well, students that weren't coming to school, and we'd call them down to the office and we would say, how can we help you be successful? And they would say things like, my grandmother raised me and she passed away, and I don't know what to do. And we'd say, let us help you. Or they'd come and they'd say, my mom and dad just split up, and I live in two different homes. I don't even know where my shoes are, let alone where my homework is. And we'd say, let us help you. And some of us would come to us and say, there are mornings I just don't want to get out of bed because I don't know why I'm here. And we'd say, let us help you. And it worked for about a quarter of them. But that still left a handful of students in the building that were not getting their needs met. In my career as being a teacher and a principal, three students took their lives on my watch. After an event like that, the adults, we come together and we say, how did this happen? And all of a sudden we realize A lot of us sitting in that room is holding a piece of the puzzle, right? You have an English teacher that says, hey, they wrote an essay a couple months ago that was pretty dark. And then we have an art teacher that says, I told them their project was due in two weeks, and they said they weren't going to be here. And another teacher says, I haven't seen them all semester. Then all of a sudden, the puzzle starts to come together. And it's never the entire puzzle, but it's just enough for you to step back as a team and say, If we would have only known this much, would we be here today? But more importantly, would that child be here today? We created today for two reasons. We came together with 20 other organizations for two reasons. First of all, affirmation. It is important today that you hear you are doing good work. The majority of your students, just like in my example, are benefiting from the work that you're doing. So you're going to go into sessions and you're going to say, we're doing that. We have that program in our school. Our students are following that and it's working. The second thing, as I used to tell new teachers, you better have one heck of a big bag of tricks because there's no two students alike. Today is about creating that bag and making it bigger and filling it with resources and learning so that you can go back and so that there's never ever a child that says you don't hear me and you don't see me. So today is about affirmation and learning. We're going to start our journey together today at what I believe is the most important place to start. You see, we as adults, and I'm guilty of it too, not only as a professional, but as a mother, telling children what they need, projecting onto them what we believe they need. 
It's imperative that we continue to listen to our children. So what we did is we went out and we interviewed some students in the state of Ohio. What a great few days. And as much as I would love to share with you the hours of footage that we created, what we did is we pulled common messages and themes and some really just good insight from our students. So let us begin our journey listening to our students' experiences in their voices. Uh, my name's Alex, and I'm in the ninth grade. Layston, and I'm in 10th grade. Uh, I'm Zach, and I'm a junior. Uh, my name is James, I'm a senior. Jacob, 12th grade. I'm Caitlin, and I'm a junior. Karis, and I'm in the ninth grade. My name is Isaiah, and I'm in 11th grade. My name is Fuzi, and I'm a sophomore. I am Braxton, and I'm a senior. My name is Josh, I'm in 11th grade. My name is Alec, and I'm a senior. My name is Mohammed, I'm a senior. I'm Hannah, and I'm in 12th grade. My first name is Ladier, and I am a senior. Joshua, and I'm a junior. Colton, and I'm a junior. I'm Casey, and I'm a freshman. I'm Bella, and I'm a junior. I'm Casey, and I'm a freshman. My name is Maya, I'm in 10th grade. My name is Michaela, and I'm in 10th grade. I'm Tyson, and I'm a senior. My name's Alexis, and I'm in ninth grade. Uh, my name is Camber, and I'm in the 12th grade. Yes, I am Zoe, and I'm a senior. Uh, my name is Alex Perez, and I'm a senior. Um, kids my age usually struggle with peer pressure and self-esteem issues, especially with like social media growing in this like time period, um, as well as just academic pressures with like college starting and our futures really getting started right now. A big thing is drugs. I feel like that's like a really big epidemic because especially like in the uh, home home life too, like if it, they don't have like a father figure or someone strong in their life, then they're like depending on drugs or something to like fill that void. I feel like a lot of me and my friends, we struggle with like trying to find help when we need it. I think it's depression. I think a lot of people struggle with that. Well, there's been a lot of suicide. There's a lot of pressure from peers, um, especially being in a competitive, competitive district. Um, there's so much pressure to take APs, to do well, to get into a good college. I know personally that I have struggled with, you know, depression and anxiety and just really along those lines of anything that has to do with my mentality. Um, personal experience, bullying sometimes really is bad. Um, biggest thing is uh, having a parent that is emotionally stable to help their child. They say to go talk to the counselor, but many students seem to be afraid to let those feelings go and I feel like there's not too many things that are accessible besides the counselor because some things could be a little bit too personal and because of how things are changing so frequently they don't think something will be uh, changed before they get a response from an adult. I'm comfortable with both of our counselors and many of the just the staff just going to them and talking if, if I went to talk to other people that went through stuff, I believe that my words could like influence. No, 
I think we have like our parents and teachers and counselors and like websites and hotlines as well. But not all the time we will we won't like go to them because we're afraid or there's something that's holding us back within us. And we rely more on like each other because we get each other. A lot of teens struggle outside of school that teachers don't get to see. I've known people that has to be to school, but then like their family doesn't really allow them to get the time to do their work and get enough proper sleep for school. That we're not as connected as we seem. It's a lot. Um, it's a it's a lot easy to think that since we're all on social media, we're always talking through that one media device, but we're all wrapped up in that, that we don't connect in the outside world. Like, we're very awkward nowadays because we're so stuck to the social media and we just, like, don't understand social interactions anymore. That we don't have all the time in the world to do homework. Uh, every student handles learning differently. Uh, every student handles stress or different scenarios differently, and every student is their own individual person. I wish they knew how to just understand how kids go through trying to manage all the things going around with school and outside of school, just about their lives. Uh, help with their students or help with their kids and keep them out of that depression zone. I wish the adults in my school would take time out of their day to like think or like talk to us about how we feel. I wish adults in my school would take the extra time to build those relationships with kids. That way, you know, the kids that don't feel like they have that, maybe they could. I wish they knew me on like a personal level instead of just like, like knowing me as a student and like my grades and stuff. I wish they like actually like got to know like who I am and had like a relationship with me. We're not exaggerating when we say we're scared, stressed, or unsure of what we're doing. We, we want to succeed, but we don't know how. We're not ready for adult responsibilities all the time. I know that responsibilities obviously come as you mature and age, but we're not really there yet to the point where we're ready to be just completely let go. Sometimes we do need some guidance, and sometimes we do need a little extra help. I wish they would understand not everything's like a constant, like, if I act a certain way one day, it's not, I'm not going to act the same way another day because of that reason why something else could have happened. I wish the adults in my school understood that every kid cares at some point. It's just there's a certain driving factor that brings it out of them, that makes them want to turn it around. And it's just continuously prying and seeing what the student cares about, whether it be a sport or making sure that they can care for their family older, that, that they're bringing out that drive to achieve ad academically. I wish they understood that we also have stuff like out of school to do. It's not just like we, for a majority of us don't just go home and have all this free time. We actually have a lot of things that we have going on, whether it's sports or other family stuff to go on with. So if, I wish they would understand that a little more. Focus more on us and what we think instead of what everybody expects us to want or think. I would say 
that we look up to adults and like strive to be like them. So I'd say get to know us more because we're like want to be like you guys someday. That they would listen to kids more and pay attention to how they feel. Because I know a lot of things that adults just say you're being dramatic. And they, like if someone were to say they were depressed, they would just say you don't know what that is. And then go on with it. Just try to help the students more. To appreciate how much we try and how much we care about our future and things that we do. No matter the kid, try to keep your patience. So I had four takeaways, um, and once again, like I said, unfortunately I can't share all the footage with you, but I hope you I hope that gave you some insight. Here are my four takeaways. First of all, students want us to see them more than the 47 minutes they sit in our geometry class or the 52 minutes they're in our AP course. They want us to understand there's layers, that they have jobs, and they play sports, and they have boyfriends and girlfriends, and they have families, and they have zits. They want us to see, they want them, us to see them more than just the time we have with them. Second thing, they have a love-hate relationship with social media. Now I know, I've told many a students to put their phones away. But even as Braxton talked in his interview, students need permission to take a break from that world. That's on you. You have a classroom, you have a building, you're a coach, you tell them, put that phone away. Oh, they're gonna grumble and they're gonna throw you some attitude, but really what you're doing is giving them a permission to take a break from social media. The third takeaway is probably my most interesting area is how we communicate with students. Um, they want us to engage with them every day. What you need to do is figure out their language. They don't necessarily want to have an in-depth dialogue with them. There are times when you can have a full conversation with a child and never say a word. Let me give you an example. I used to stand in the hallway and I'd have a student on the other side. I'd look at him, he'd look at me, and I'd do this. That means you good? He'd respond in one of two ways. He'd either do this, which meant I'm good, or he'd do a little right click, just like that. That meant no, Dr. McFarland, I'm not good. Don't come over here and talk to me because I will not talk to you in front of my friends and you're a principal, you'll kill my social status. <laughs> what it meant was go out and find out what's going on in my life and help me fix it. So I would. Let's say the young man's, let's say it's, his name was Marcus. I'd go out and I'd talk to Marcus's friends or maybe his teachers and let's say I found out yesterday during third period, social studies teacher with no intention at all embarrassed Marcus, called him when he wasn't ready. I'd talk to the teacher, they'd touch base with Marcus, all good. A couple days later, I go into a classroom, Marcus is in the back, we have our same conversation. I throw him the, you good? And he gives me this, which means I'm back on track, I'm good. I also like to think that he was also saying, thank you, Dr. McFarland, for helping me work through all of my challenges. <laughs> the second thing is, you can speak to a child and engage with them 157 days in a row and on the 158th day as you're flying down the hallway because you got something to do and you whip by that child and you don't say, hey, how you doing? You are back at ground zero. 
You'll see them next couple days. You'll say, hey, how are you? And they give you a little bit of attitude, and you're like, what? And then you realize, oh my gosh, it was that day that I didn't say hi. And then you try to explain to them the reason I was running mock speed with three-inch heels on is because there was a fire in the bathroom. Can you give me a break? They're like, no. Every day, we want you to engage with us. Because here's the truth. It means that they're coming off an experience maybe with an adult who hasn't been consistent. And they look to us for that. That child, you say, take your hat off, pull your pants up, get to class on time. They just want you to engage with them. If they didn't, guess what? They wouldn't wear a hat. They'd wear their belt up here to make sure that their pants wouldn't fall down. And they'd be early to every class. And they talked about that. And they talked about that off camera. We just want the adults in our life to see us and engage with us. The most concerning thing, which is the fourth thing, is that peace. And I think you heard it a couple times. This concern about utilizing the resources that are available to them. They make this connection that if I come to the office and I say, I'm not in a good place and I need help, somehow that's going to catch up with them or punish them. Remember, we are writing their recommendations. We're signing their employment documents. We're recommending them for internship. And the ironic thing is, as adults, for a child to come to us and say, I'm not in a good place and I need help, hot dog, I'll write your recommendation all day long because you got it. You're going to be great in life. There are adults that don't even know how to do that, but the kids don't get that. And it's so important that we continue to tell them, this is a safe place. You can come to us and talk to us. Nothing is out. You're never going to be punished for coming down and utilizing your resources. So here's the deal. And you heard it from the governor and you heard it from our CEO. This has got to be ongoing work. Everybody sitting in this room has gone to a convention or a topic that they've gone to listen to and, and you're all stoked up for 48 hours and you get back in the trenches and all of a sudden you're right back here, right? We're not going to allow that to happen. OSBA is making a commitment today with our other partners that we are going to continue to work together in the state of Ohio to support all of our students. But it's going to take all of us. We cannot work in silos. We cannot just go to our classrooms. There are too many of them, and their needs are too much for us to handle on our own. So here's what we've done. First thing, we have created, and I'm going to ask my friends that are helping me put my link up here. We have created, through the help of our Diversity and Equity Committee, a toolbox of mental health resources. It's a microsite. Now look, look right here. It's not exhaustive. It's not everything, but it's a darn good place to start. It's a good place to start. This is also in your brochure. We're going to continue to build this arsenal. We're going to continue to collect resources. But here's the caveat. You ready? Here's the deal. My second slide is an email. We're going to ask that you share with us. You guys, we don't have, we're not blessed to have students walking in our office hallways. You are. You're working with them. So you're going to communicate to us 
Hey, my teachers are reading this book, and it's a game changer. Hey, our students had a grassroots project, and it is taking off. Hey, this resource, I'm telling you, out of this world. We will collect it, and then we will pump it out through podcasts and TV talk shows and interviews, and we will talk to experts, and we'll, we'll get all that information to you. And then we promise you, guess what, in 12 months, next February, we will be right back here. We are now in a relationship. Welcome. We are going to continue to work together and keep our arms around our children. They need to know we hear them, we see them, we are here for you, and we are working hard as the adults to make sure you are healthy, you're taken care of, and honey, you're going to be successful. So, I'm going to wrap my time up here with a quote that I think speaks perfectly to the truth that it takes one of us, just one of us, to change a child's life. And then the second thing I'm going to do, I'm going to play a little music by Rod Stewart. Uh huh. Good song. You're going to walk out, and you're going to get out there, and you're going to get your affirmation, and you're going to learn, and we're going to grow together. And we have just become a family, a unit, and a team. Welcome to the team. You're going to have a great day, and then we're going to gather back in here after that. So here's my quote by Dr. Seuss. To the world, you may be one person, but to one person, you may be the world. Thank you very much.